Welcome to The Real Housewives of Riverdale, the podcast where grown-ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host, Cherie, and today I'm joining you with my darling husband, Cameron. Well, hello there. <laughs> so, you've only seen this episode and, like, the Christmas episode because I forced you to. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> do you have any, like, other interaction with Archie Comics? Like, No. No? Like, you've ne- never... Do you know that they existed in the world before? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. when I was like, this show takes Archie comics but makes it like sexy and dark, you had an idea, right? Right. I knew there was a Jughead in an Archie. <laughs> okay. This, um, this week we're going to talk about season one, episode 10, chapter 10, The Lost Weekend. Um, a lot of TV shows, especially teen and young adult shows, will have an episode titled The Lost Weekend. And it's in reference to a 1945 film noir that follows an alcoholic on a four-day drinking binge. And I don't, I've never seen it. it. Sounds super fun. <laughs> but, uh, Pardon me. <laughs> but I have seen every single like Gossip Girl, and um, I don't know if Pretty Little Liars ever did one, but I think 90210 had a last weekend. So I feel like that qualifies me to have some knowledge on this this week's episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, totally right. Yep, mm-hmm. So, this episode of Riverdale is one of the worst written and worst acted in, in the series, and that's that's saying something, but it's it's totally one of my faves, because it's so silly. It's so bad. It's so, so bad. Like, nothing makes sense. It's it's definitely one where you're like, oh my god, what? why am I still watching this? But I can't stop. So, the episode opens up on um, Jughead just type, type, typing away on his laptop at Pops, and he tells us that there's no such thing as control, just chaos. Nevertheless, some of us strive to maintain order in what appears to be an orderless world while we, like, get flashes of all of our main characters in their, like, regular everyday lives at school, and then flashes of some, like, kick-ass party where a bunch of people are topless for some reason, and there's, like, confetti falling everywhere from who knows, and... They're like some shirtless bros wearing horse and pig masks for some reason. But ultimately, this party looks fun as hell. Like, way more fun than the actual party later on in the episode. The the horse head and the pig mask was kind of weird. I mean, it, it, that kind of <laughs> took it back. It really did. It, it, was, it was scary, but I was it like... It really kind of took me out of it. I was like, oh, that's, oh yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Cut to reality where Fred, Luke Perry, opens Archie's bedroom door to tell Jughead sorry that he won't be able to be around for his birthday. And Jughead is all like emo and meh because it's okay, Mr. Ray. I barely acknowledge my own birthday because I'm so tortured and meh. And Fred asks Archie to like help him with his bags downstairs. And it's clear that Archie, in fact, is the tortured and sad one in this room today. So just take it down a notch, Jughead. But Fred apparently is going to Chicago to see Archie's mom so they can finalize their divorce papers. And remember like two or three episodes ago, not you because you don't know, but listeners, <laughs> two or three episodes ago when Archie was like, 
totally cool with Fred dating Hermione because his parents were split up. Well, today he's not feeling so cool about his parents' separation because he tries to lay every guilt trip on Fred to get him to work things out with his mom instead of finalizing the divorce. And Fred is like, bro, we're past that. We're not doing that. This is happening. Just deal with it. We're breaking up. Mm-hmm. Get over it. Mm-hmm. Um, at the Pembroke where Veronica lives, she walks in on um, on her mom meeting with her dad's lawyer, Paul Sourberry. Great name. He's there so he can coach the lodge ladies on testifying on Hiram's behalf. And so do you know why her dad's in prison? Um, because the Jerry dad. Jason? Jason. <laughs> no. Okay, so Hiram Lodge is actually in prison because he ran a humongous Ponzi scheme. So basically okay. he's burning Madoff. That's that's nice, what they're doing nice. in this. I get it, yeah. And so the the Jason connection is they think that because the Blossom family and Jason was a Blossom, they think his parents, who are super powerful, they were doing business with Hiram. And when they eventually got screwed, they called the cops on Hiram and told them everything about his Ponzi scheme. So when Hiram went to prison, there is potential that like he could have had Jason killed mm-hmm, mm-hmm, by yeah, yeah, yeah. Jughead's dad, who like does stuff for him for money. Right. So then at school in the student lounge that no school has, um, Archie and Betty have a friend intervention with Veronica to tell her that Archie overheard the Blossoms talking um, at the night of the annual Blossom Maple season kickoff. Because that's also a thing. <laughs> they have a maple maple syrup season in this town. And they kick it off. Yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> that's normal. Um, and it, it was a whole like family drama shit show. But Veronica wants to know how the Blossoms could have anything to do with her dad being in prison. But we don't get that answer just yet. We just cut to Archie and Betty walking down the hallway. And Archie tells Betty that it's Jughead's birthday this weekend, and she's just super taken aback that Jug hasn't said anything. But Archie reminds her that Jughead is all super emo, and he doesn't like to celebrate his birthday, because, you know, birthdays are, like, so mainstream. And normally, for Jughead's birthday, Archie takes him to a double feature at the Bijou. And I would love to see some of those scenes, by the way. Like, we all we know is that Archie and Jughead used to be best friends until this year started or until the summer when Archie blew him off to like bang his teacher. And then we we were just led to believe that they're best friends, but we never get any good, like Archie and Jughead. There's no Archie and Jughead just hanging out. Like now Jughead lives in his room and occasionally they play video games, but there's never any like bonding. Mm. So I don't know. It's super weird. I would like to see them actually have a friendship because as the series progresses, they just kind of get more and more angst because it's a teen show. Uh, but this year, since Betty is his girlfriend, maybe she can take Jughead to the Bijou, and she thinks Archie should come along anyway, and it could be like old times when they all used to play together as kids, and Archie's like, yeah, the three musketeers. She makes this really weird face and says, actually, Archie, there were four musketeers, which clearly confuses him because, like, the candy bar clearly states three right there on the package. Yeah. Three Musketeers yeah. is the Three Musketeers. Right? Yeah, because you should not expect Archie Andrews to, to know and understand classic literature references. <laughs> like He's not going to know about like D'Artagnan. Mm-hmm. So not... who is the fourth Musketeer? There's... Is it Dad? Yeah, she ultimately means FP. Oh. Um, 
I, I thought that was what was happening, but it didn't make sense to me that they were buddies with, with his dad. Yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. It is some really, really poor writing. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> I guess they had to figure out how to get dad to the party. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so she um she should have known to not invite FP, like, ultimately. Because... Like, I know I've been picking on Jughead for being super emo about his birthday, but Betty knows what a weird place Jughead is in mm-hmm. with his dad. Like, Jughead thought it was better to literally be homeless. He lived in the, like, projector room of the drive-in movie theater before it got bulldozed because oh. his dad was a dick. Okay. Like, he he was literally homeless. Wait. Is his dad the one that bulldozed the theater? His dad is the one that vandalized the theater so much that the city decided to bulldoze okay. it so that um, the land could be auctioned off and Hiram so could buy it. Did he do that just to get Jughead out of the theater? No, he did that to um, to get money from Hiram. Hiram paid him to do that so that he could buy the land oh, that the drive-in okay. theater was sitting on. It's apparently the city owned it. Conveniently, his son was living there. Yeah, his son was living there because he couldn't live at home because his dad was such an awful person. Right. And so now his son is homeless, and he goes from living at the drive-in to living in, like, a janitor's closet at school. Okay. And then Archie finds him, and he's like, what the fuck? Why are you not living at home? And he tells him things are just really bad at home. So Archie talks to Luke Perry, and decides to bring him home with him and i can't wear those because they're super hot that's hot (laughs) so anyway it's just it's just a step too far from betty like it's it's super not okay like an fp turns her down when when she calls him because he's been living in this same plot as the rest of us that she clearly (laughs) forgot (laughs) but she's not gonna let it drop though because she's betty and that is just so not her style she's she's gonna keep fighting for what what she thinks is right even though the whole world is telling her stop don't do that um okay so the next scene is in the cafeteria where everybody has food but doesn't eat it because <laughs> it's tv and that bugs me so bad i don't want to see anybody eating food <laughs> i don't know it just bothers me um but gathered at our gang's lunch table is archie and kevin on one side and betty and veronica on the other side and val and mel who are they're they're sitting at the designated pussycat table because they're part of Josie and the Pussycats. Okay. Did you know anything about that? No, I was weird. I was I didn't know what was happening there. They were exchanging looks or whatever. Yeah, they were giving some like mad side eyes. But have you? What I mean though is, have you ever heard of Josie and the Pussycats? Mm, mm, no. No. Okay. So when you and I were like probably early high school. There was a a teen movie with Tara Reid and um, Rachel Lee Cook, the main girl from She's All That. Okay. And Tom and Huck. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah deep, right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Deep cut. Um, she was Josie, and then um, I think Rosario Dawson, who you don't know, but you saw her in Rent a million times that I've, I've made you watch <laughs> Rent. Okay. She was the stripper. Um, exotic dancer. Sorry. Oh want to offend anybody no i mean tweets she was mimi but anyway so there was like a whole movie about that and i haven't seen that yet and i don't know if they pulled to any of like their archie comics roots in that in that movie but basically they started out in the archie comics and then i think josie got her own series of comics based on the doings of josie and the pussycats but okay they're a girl band essentially 
So just a, a fictional girl. Yeah, band. just a fictional girl. Okay. Band. But um, but they're they're very cool. Like they're very cool, and it's super cool that in in Riverdale's iteration of them that they went with a band of all women of color, which is something you don't no, see uh, on TV a lot. You that's know? not the way it was originally. No, so in in the comics, Val has always been a person of color. She has always been black in the comics. And Rosario, Rosario Dawson, I think, is Puerto Rican. But nonetheless, like, they've always had a person of color in that role forever. But Josie in the comics was a redhead. I think Melody, the drummer, is blonde. Tara Reed. I see. Okay. Um, but they, they went to go with, like, all three African American african-american girls for this and i just i think that's like really mm-hmm. awesome of them mm-hmm. to give mm-hmm. a platform where traditionally that hasn't been there so in the least so are, they, are they good characters i mean are they good people they're, they're yes. not like the bad guys like no like the other. no no they're they they are um josie's very nuanced she's like super sassy her mom is real shitty her mom's the mayor of this town and she is like the the actress comes from the bold and the beautiful and it gets real soap opera ish, <laughs> but, um, but, but <laughs> Josie is is really good and Mel ne- Mel never gets any lines, <laughs> she just doesn't say anything. I think she has one line in each season, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and then Val is awesome. She's like really fucking cool and. Um, the actress who plays her is blowing up. She's in movies. Um, she is in the new Netflix show, Altered Carbon. She just had like a spread in Playboy. Like she's, she is blowing up all over the place. And that being said, she's not in season two very much at all because she has like so many other obligations that Riverdale gave her a platform for. So now see somebody's getting out of here. (laughs) 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 Okay. So anyway, we're, we're in, we're in the cafeteria and we see Val and Mel, um, give Archie some mad side eye because he just, she, Val just broke up with Archie. She just dumped him. And while he's dealing with her dirty looks, Betty is giving like all the deets on how Jughead has never had a birthday party ever. So we should have one for him. And everyone else is stoked too, except for Archie, who's like, uh, yeah, it's Jughead. He doesn't like his own birthday. Haven't I said this already? Like several times. (laughs) Don't do this. And before we can get any more party planning, we hear Kevin say, oh my God don't turn around so of course everyone turns around and we see who who do we see strolling through the cafeteria but none other than mr chuck toxic masculinity clayton and so from like the previously ons you saw like glimpses of chuck in chuck's whole deal in episode three of this season we find out that him so he's the football coach's son okay and we find out that him and a bunch of the other football guys, of course not Archie, <laughs> because we can't have our golden boy involved in this, oh, but okay. they had a playbook with um, with like all the guys' names listed, and they got points for who they either like had sex with or humiliated. Like They got points off these girls. Oh, okay. And yeah. it's really gross. So he, um, he goes on a date with Veronica, and... They take a picture and he posts it on Instagram, but he puts this like maple syrup smear filter on her. <laughs> and he says that he gave her a sticky maple, 
which led a bunch of teenagers to look up what that is on Urban Dictionary, right. including this grown-ass adult, and it was not pleasant. Um, and she's like, oh, hell no. A, that didn't happen, but B, if it did, why am I getting slut-shamed for it? And so they go on, like, this huge crusade to take down Chuck in his playbook. Yada, yada, yada. Veronica and Betty torture him in a hot tub. It gets real weird. Betty, like, snaps and goes into this, like, dissociative state where she thinks Mm -hmm. she's her sister. And he's Jason, who the guy who was murdered and was her sister's boyfriend. And it it just gets real crazy. Um, But he gets suspended from school. So now he's back. And it's it's super gross, but he he's sitting with Ethel, who is like one of the girls that came forward and said, you know, I tried to tutor Chuck and he told everybody that I had sex with him when I didn't. So Betty like goes into overprotective mode and she's like, uh-uh, I'm not going to let him bully Ethel. So, so Chuck was just lying to get points that he didn't deserve. Yes. And like, Son of a bitch. He's smoking hot. He could have totally got points on his own. <laughs> he just tried. Um, okay. And it, like, I hate everything about Chuck. He's gross. But Betty he starts... just said he was smoking hot. He is smoking hot. But he's also like a gross human being. Okay. Like, you can be beautiful and a really shitty person. It's like on How I Met Your Mother, the like hot to psycho ratio that Barney shows okay, them. Yeah, yeah. You know, the thing that I've been trying to tell guys that I work with for like years, like she's hot, she's going to steal all your money and try to kill you in the night. And they never believe me until it happens. <laughs> that, that happens where you work. I mean, it, it's happened a few <laughs> times when I worked uh, at my last employer. <laughs> okay. So, um, Betty's synapses just start firing off and she storms over to the table where Chuck is sat down next to Ethel and she tells him to leave Ethel alone. And he says, look, I just came over here to apologize. You don't have to go all dark, Betty, on me. And she slams her hand on the table and says, I'm not going. And Betty is at like a 10 and she needs to be at like a four right now. She is way too intense. Like, Nope, I'm really in. Maybe it's because I'm not in the loop, but I didn't understand what was happening. I, yeah. <laughs> I thought there was some real background drama with him and Ethel. And, well, I mean, he did he did a really shitty thing to her, but Betty is not like trying to be inconspicuous at all. She is flipping out in the middle of the cafeteria for everyone to see, and it's just it's weird. So anyway, Ethel tells her to like. You can relax. It's fine. Leave me the fuck alone. And Chuck says, yeah, it's fine. But the real question is, as like Betty's like squeezing her fingernails into her palms to control her emotions, are you fine? And that's how Betty hurts herself. And that's like her. This isn't the first time that's happened. No, no. We learned that in the pilot. So Betty's got some weird control issues because her family's really all about being like, Um, perfect. The all-American, blonde, blue-eyed, waspy people next door. Mm -hmm, Because they've mm -hmm. got some some skeletons in their closet. Right. Like, they're just messed up. But how Betty, like, controls her temper is she squeezes her fingernails into her palms. And, like, you can't do it. I've tried. 
you well, can't. That's weird. <laughs> well, just... So does it get progressively worse throughout the series? Like every time she gets a little madder, it gets a little bigger <laughs> cuts in her hand. See, that would be more interesting. You kind of ramp up the character in the show with with how like, ba- how bad she cuts her hand. Eventually, she just has bloody nubs. <laughs> yeah, she just cuts the top of her hands off with the top of her hand. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she like Jughead stands her up and, and just blood just starts squirting everywhere. That would be much more interesting. So sadly, no, that doesn't maybe, happen. Maybe there there'll be an intervention where they clip her nails. <laughs> right, just clip your fucking nails. Yeah. <laughs> it won't happen. So my notes just say, someone get this girl a prescription for Wellbutrin stat. Yeah. <laughs> she needs like medical intervention. So anyway, at a loss, Betty returns to her seat with her friends before she just completely loses her shit. And she starts back up the conversation about Jughead's birthday party, telling the gang that there's a lot of things that she can't do or control, but she can make damn sure that her boyfriend has the best birthday of of his life or whatever and Archie gives like the biggest eye roll like he might have pulled a muscle rolling his eyes and it could either be because he sees Valerie and Mel giving him more side eye or possibly because Betty called Jughead her boyfriend and Betty has traditionally always been obsessed with Archie and now she's dating his best friend oh yeah so the internet's kind of torn on that on what that eye roll was about that's like a big point of contention well it, it, <laughs> at some point Jughead thinks she's still into Archie. Archie yeah so Archie probably thinks she's still into Archie she's just putting on right he says look my dad's out of town let's get fucked up at my place this will be epic and so KJ Abba who plays Archie is from New Zealand and there's a blooper reel where they like have to keep teaching him how to say epic because he he keeps saying yeah, yeah, epic yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really funny um then we cut to the title card. Riverdale. Dun dun dun. So we do that in every every podcast because there's like they always ramp up the drama rate to a point, and then you get the title card, and it's stupid okay. and corny, okay. and it like the neon lights for the Riverdale come on, and it's uh-huh. Riverdale. Oh, Whoosh. okay. And then you uh-huh. cut to your first commercial break, but anyway. So at Andrew's construction, um, Betty just drops by in the middle of the school day, as one is wont to do, uh-huh. just leave and go across town. And she comes to see FP, and she's trying to convince him to come to Jughead's birthday. So she informs him that she and Archie have invited a few friends over to Archie's house, where Jughead's living now, where your son is living now because you're such a piece of shit. That he now has to live with your past employer, by the way, FP. Okay. FP's like, you don't quit, do you? And she says, rarely, if ever. And then she tells FP that she would really like to do something special for Jughead. And, you know, his dad being there would be really special. So he agrees to come. And it's going to be bad. Because Jughead does not have a good relationship with his dad. Um, So meanwhile, back at school... Alice, Betty's mom, just drops by. So Betty's back at school. The timeline of this episode makes no sense. These kids just, like, wander off. They're never, ever in class. And they just kind of, like, go about town willy-nilly. Is that not how the show usually goes? It is, but, like, it's stupid. It's always stupid. (laughs) Just like we were talking about earlier. they got to make the show work. I know, but... I don't, I don't know. I guess, like, as a real person who's been alive before, I'm right, like, right. I mean, what the fuck is happening? They had, they, had a, they had a lounge in their school that had a pool table in it <laughs> right. and a couch. Yeah. <laughs> the lounge that, like, 
most people don't have in their house. <laughs> These yeah. kids have it at their school. Privileged little shits. So anyway, Alice is there that um, Principal Weatherby, who is the creepiest person in the world, he scares the hell out of me, um, he agrees with her that the Blue and Gold, which is the school newspaper, can uh, benefit greatly from her professional guidance as their new advisor because her husband and her run the town newspaper, but he just fired her because she kicked him out of the house. And then she threw a brick through the window. Betty tells her mother that, uh, oh, Alice asks her what they're currently working on at the newspaper. And Betty tells her that right now she is just working on supplies for Jughead's birthday party. Betty then asks her mom questions about when her and when her parents first started dating and if she told her dad everything about herself because up to this point Jughead doesn't know that Betty cuts herself, which is weird. I feel like they've probably held hands before. How does he not know that? Yeah, you would. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you've seen the inside of my hands a few times like that's not something you can hide but anyway how often does she do it I mean, um, does it heal and then she does it again or I is it the same wound i think it's the same wounds that she just kind of opens up every time she gets oh, pissed off wow yeah okay. it's it's real sad so um anyway alice responds saying i sure did and i wish that i hadn't because i've told your dad all my secrets, fears, doubts, and then he ended up using them against me. So <laughs> Betty's like, what kind of secrets are those? Because that's super weird, Mom. And she just tells her that, like, there are some things that I've struggled with. And, of course, we don't get a clear answer. We won't get them until the, the season finale. Um, Drug addiction. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she Betty tells her mom that she trusts Jughead, and Alice agrees that she should, just not with everything. And I don't know. It's It's weird. So we go back to the Andrews house where Jughead um, brings up some movies that he thinks he and Archie should see and um, what their options are. And Archie responds to Jughead saying, hey, that's awesome, except Betty's going to go with you this year. And Jughead's like, you told her about my birthday? Why would you do that? Mm. <laughs> and he's like, that's a, that's a primal betrayal, Archie. And it's, it's not. It's so not. It's your birthday. <laughs> People it is know. Um, Archie then says, Why do you hate your birthday so much? Like, what is this shit? So Jughead gives us like this whole after school special and says that, you know, I don't really know. I just know that it's probably PTSD from when I was a kid because things were always messed up at home, usually because of my dad. But there was just this arbitrary day that would come up and my family would come together and pretend that things were great as if everything was normal. And explaining that to Archie made him feel really lonely, um, apparently, according to these notes from, uh, from the Riverdale wiki. <laughs> but, um, so then back at the Pembroke, Hermione asks Veronica what all those papers are that she's looking at. Veronica tells her that they're um, from Hiram's file that she found in their basement. So I guess there's a basement in this apartment building, but whatever. Veronica says that she's been doing some digging and found some spreadsheets of monthly payments from the Bo Blossom Maple Farms to Lodge Industries, which until five months ago, they just stopped. And five months ago is when Hiram was arrested. So she then tells her mom, um, 
Like there is more information that she found. The payments from the Blossoms, which are significant, have been happening for 75 years, which is how long the comic books have been in rotation. Okay. So everything this season is 75 years old. Like it's, it gets a little it, played out. It's, yeah. They're, <laughs> they're letting you know that 75 yeah. years is there. Yeah, it's significant. But Hermione's like, let it go. Stop asking questions that nobody has answers to, especially ones that have that would tie your dad to Jason's murder. So Hermione is just like, um, ignorance is bliss. Stop looking because your dad's an actual monster and he might be responsible for this. And what if he comes home? Like, stop. Right, right. So can we stop right here and talk about just the show in general for a minute? Yeah, yeah. So. How big of a town is it that they live in? It's it's supposed to be a small town, like maybe Stephenville size. But, but there's this high end apartment complex. <laughs> yes, with a doorman. With a doorman and a penthouse. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. A bad side of town. The town has its own like one percenters biker gang, and <laughs> you are not wrong. Yeah. It's There's a dumb. Lot going, a lot going on. Yeah. And then, There's a lot there. But anyway, it's like the town kind of keeps growing. Like when we first start in the pilot, there's like five big families and some like tertiary characters. And that's okay. it. And then like, you're like, well, how do you have that many people to do this? Mm-hmm. And there's one restaurant in the whole town. Pops. Pops. <laughs> it's the only place where they ever this eat. Is, and it was kind of a diner anyway. Yeah. Like... <laughs> You would think with that high-rise apartment, there'd be some sort of a... Like, classy. Uh, like, a, like a French place. <laughs> right. Yeah, no. They only ever eat at at Pops. And, like, sometimes Veronica's parents will, like, mention an upscale restaurant, but you never see it. So you don't know if they're, like, going into New York, because presumably they're in upstate New York. That's okay. kind of where we uh-huh. think they are. They don't ever say. It's just a town that's supposed to be, like timeless and somewhere somewhere where it's always fucking snowing because okay. they film in vancouver but well, they have it to make, make that sense. work yeah so but upstate new york makes sense because veronica's from she's spent the rest of her life in new york city so that's kind of where we just assume they are and they're and they're close to the canadian border okay so, because they mentioned like thugs from montreal coming down and beating up people the worst ones <laughs> French Canadian bastards. Um, okay, so <laughs> then we go into cheerleading practice, which the cheerleaders are called River Vixens, and they're practicing some new routine that doesn't matter. But Veronica's late, and she comes in, and Cheryl, who's the HBIC, she's she makes everybody stop so they can have, like have this cat fight and. Everybody else has learned their choreography for homecoming, and that means that you're gonna have to be in the back so you can do the do less damage. Veronica is like, okay, hard fuck you. I'm in a really bad mood, so we're just gonna fucking do this. We're gonna have a, a dance off right here in front of all the other girls, and we're gonna turn this music all the way up so that it almost wakes my kid up every mm-hmm. time I watch this episode, and it's gonna get stupid real right. quick. <laughs> Somebody got served. Yes. <laughs> there was some real stepping up and uh, you got yeah. served. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Veronica and Cheryl have a dance off in front of their friends and aren't at all embarrassed about it. <laughs> it's really weird. And they pull out like their best pseudo stripper moves. Pseudo and- shit. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's uh, Cheryl's especially with that hair, like she's like flinging it around, mm-hmm. like she should be like in a white snake video. Mm-hmm. It's and Veronica with the butt. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, yeah. you gotta work with what you got. I I don't know. Like I don't know if they just needed like ten minutes where they didn't have any writing. <laughs> so like. Yeah, they, they had some. They needed filler. to fill some shit. Make it thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah. An hour. Right. Uh, back at the Andrews house, Archie is like decorating for uh, Jughead's birthday. He should have bought his banner from Carrying the Banners on Etsy instead of Target, presumably. And he gets a phone call from his dad, checking in to see how everything's going. He tells Archie that he feels bad for not talking to him some before he left. And Archie says that, um, you know, he's kind of shut down and he asks if Fred has seen his mom yet. And Fred says, not yet. We were going to go to dinner, but plans ended up changing and they decided it'd be best if we waited until tomorrow with the lawyers. So then... Archie confronts his dad saying like things are so bad that you cannot be in the same room without a mediator we like have not been led to believe this about Archie's parents at all all we know is that his mom's not there she's in Chicago they're separated and everybody's been cool up until this episode so this is episode 8 season 1 10 season 1 yeah this is the first time that I mean, have you seen his mom yet? No. No, it's a big surprise when she walks okay. in later. Okay. And Especially was, with who she is. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Molly Ringwald. Right, right, okay. right. I was okay. trying to think of one yeah, of her we, characters. <laughs> oh, well, um, I mean, like, I love John Hughes movies, and I know, like, some of the first names of her characters, but, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, like, hey, there's Claire from The Breakfast Club, like, even when I'm watching The Breakfast Club, I'm like, it's Molly Ringwald. Oh, okay. So, well. um, but anyway, in in this show, her name's Mary Andrews, but no, it's not. Her name's Molly Ringwald. Just like Fred mm-hmm. is Luke yeah, Perry. Right. <laughs> so, because if you're older than, um, I don't like 15, you just, that's how you know those people. So what was his character's name? Dylan McKay. Oh, no. Uh, oh. On, on, on 90210. Yeah, right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So so people probably call him dumb. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or in our neck of the woods, they probably call him Lane, Lane Frost. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> um, because we live in rodeo hell. Okay, so at Pops, Cheryl walks in in, like, her best fur coat, and she glances around, and she sees Chuck, and she steals the cherry out of his milkshake, <laughs> but she says, okay... You're the literal worst, but we have the same arch nemesis, um, Betty Cooper and Veronica Lodge, and they're going to be at Archie's house where Jughead's party will be held at. And I don't know how Cheryl knew about the party, but anyway, she she asks Chuck if he, um, he would like to team up with her for a little destruction. And because he is the literal worst, he agrees. He's intrigued. So, and he gives like the dumbest face. Then later that day at the law office, I guess, at Mr. Sourberry's office, Veronica is discussing with what she thinks happened with the Blossom family, paying her family a fee in perpetuity, and stating to him that Clifford um, tried ending their agreement so he could stop paying um, the lodges after all these years, and um, when Hiram refused, Clifford called the cops and got him arrested. And Mr. Sourberry's like, I can neither confirm or deny that. Um minor who is in my office what is happening and she's like well it's because it makes my dad look like a murder suspect right and he confirms it 
Like, I don't think that was the smartest thing for him to do. He should have just, like, stared at her until she left. Um, but he grabs... But isn't she technically his client? No, she's not. Her dad is his client. Well, okay. He just wants her to testify on his behalf. And I guess that's, like, why he's willing to offer up information, but... He pulls out this envelope from his desk and he asks if she will, if she's still feeling conflicted about testifying. And she's like, if anything, I'm more inclined to not testify again or testify on his behalf because he might have had a child murdered. <laughs> That's kind of, right, kind right, of not right. okay, even if he is my father. Um, but Mr. Sowerberry says to think about her next move carefully. Mr. Sowerberry hands Veronica a letter from Hiram from prison, but it's still on like Hiram Lodge um, stationery. So. Oh, I didn't notice that, but I did. I did think that the letter seemed sketchy. So. Yeah, sketchy. AF. They did. They did get that across to me without me noticing <laughs> directly where they were going. With that. Right. So the letter from Hiram says that. Um, if she does not testify on his behalf, he fears that her mother will be dragged into this mess, saying that she is not as innocent as she appears to be. And um, Veronica needs to think carefully about her next move, stating that the next move she makes will be the fate of her and her mother both being decided. The notes say faith, but it's fate. Even if this letter is from Hiram, from her dad, from prison with his own stationery, because mm -hmm. that's a thing. That's a real dick move <laughs> to threaten kind of weird her mother saying, hey, if you don't testify on my behalf, even though you think I might be like a murder suspect, um, I'm going to take your mom down with me and you. So how do you like them apples, 15 year old? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's Veronica's whole storyline. The, the whole Veronica's family thing is like my least favorite part of this show. It it gets real bonkers in season two, and I don't know, like it, it's dumb. Anyway, so that night at the Bijou, Betty and Jughead are at the movie theater, and there seems to be like a bunch of other couples bonding, and Jughead um, says, hey, I was talking to Kevin earlier, and he said that you and Chuck had some sort of like altercation in the cafeteria and she's like it was nothing serious um just don't worry about it she assures Jughead that it was nothing serious and he looks at her incredulously and he he asks her what what the argument was about and Betty replies to him that um Veronica has asked me to keep the details under wrap <laughs> like she just straight up lies to him she just doesn't want to talk about it so then he's, he says that he only asked because Kevin Kevin made it sound like you were really upset because she she was upset. And she tells him that, like, look, if if I was upset, it was because I had to hear from Archie that it's your birthday. So she just totally, like, spins it on him. She should go into politics. She's She did yeah. really good there. Right. <laughs> Instead of Jughead telling her himself, they kind of were like, all right, we're both going to be weird about our own things. And he says that... You know, I didn't think you were an American werewolf kind of girl. And she says, oh, that's where you're wrong, Jughead Jones. I'm all about the beast within. And you always know when she's going to go nuts because the soundtrack is just real like, bong, bong. <laughs> the, the Jaws effect. You know? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so 
um, back at the Andrews house, the whole gang is waiting until uh, Jughead and Betty arrive so they can yell surprise. And Veronica walks in and they all jump out. And she's like, do I look like Jughead? And I mean, kind of like they both have black hair. Uh, (laughs) But Kevin introduces her to his boyfriend, Joaquin. And it's, you know, whatever. But ultimately, it's interesting not because Veronica meets Kevin's boyfriend, but Kevin's boyfriend is a Southside Serpent working for FP. And she has seen FP and her mom do some, like, backdoor dealings that she knows is, like, part of her dad's whole, like, mafia stuff. So, um, then Veronica pulls Kevin aside to the back of the kitchen where she tells him... She's like, I thought this was inner circle only. And he's like, Joaquin's my boyfriend. That makes him inner circle. Slow your fucking roll. And then she just like goes out of nowhere and tells him about this meeting that she had with her father's lawyer and like how he might be potentially involved with Jason's murder. And it's so weird. And Kevin just looks at her like, oh, I don't care. Please do not give me this information. Where is this coming from? We were we were talking about my hot new boyfriend a few minutes ago. What the fuck? Ethel is like being the lookout from the front window and she warns the gang that Betty and Jughead have arrived for real this time. And everybody hides and when Jughead comes in, um, everyone yells surprise and he looks shocked and pissed. He's like, so this is why you wanted to leave the movie. You weren't scared. And he's he's not okay with having to leave the movie. So Archie walks over and he gives him a great big old bro hug and tell him happy birthday. And he's like, oh, you shouldn't have. And are you drunk? Because we also saw Archie get into the liquor cabinet Correct. earlier after he got off the phone with his parents. And But it's, it's a high school party. <laughs> of course he's drunk. His parents aren't home. Then, then we get like the weirdest scene of the whole, possibly the whole series. Betty brings out a cheeseburger-shaped birthday cake. Was it cheeseburger? Yeah, it was. A I cheese- didn't know what it was. I thought it looked like there were gummy worms in the middle. <laughs> oh, that that'd be cool. But no, it was in the shape of a cheeseburger because that's like Jughead's thing. Like he's okay. always eating. Well, not on this show, but. <laughs> Historically, in the comics, he's and on like the cartoon stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was cute. Um, But anyway, she's carrying this cheeseburger cake and she sings "Happy Birthday," and in the Marilyn Monroe style. Yeah, and when she's done, he's like, "Oh, thanks, buddy. That was haunting," (laughs) and it was. It was super weird. I don't know like why they chose to go with that. It was was a real weird choice because it doesn't fit. Like, should we be scared of Betty? (laughs) The fuck just happened? And then uh, he blows out the candles saying that uh, he he tells Betty that he wishes it was just the two of them there for his birthday. Um, But Kevin's just super impressed that uh, Chuck had got all 16 candles in one blow. 16 candles. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to bring that up later. But that is one of my favorite things. It's like the a dumb thing that I would notice that there are 16 candles and Molly Ringwald in this episode. Right. During the birthday party, Veronica's like real upset about all the stuff with her dad potentially being a murderer, blah, 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 blah. Um, so Archie notices her crying. So he follows her to in the kitchen to ask her what's wrong. He tells her like, all right, I'm going to leave this conversation. We're just going to leave it at is until you're ready to talk about it. 
So he changes the subject to change her mood and asks if she would like a drink. And she's like, isn't it the New York sophisticate who's supposed to corrupt the small town boy? And he blushes and makes her a drink and it's supposed to be all cute. And like, I'm sure there are like fangirls everywhere who are like, oh, hashtag Varchie. So eventually she tells Archie that her father threatened her and her mom and um, that it, you know, he would destroy her mom if if she didn't make a statement on his behalf and that when her father said that her mother was just as guilty as she was. And she tells Archie that maybe he's lying, maybe he isn't, but maybe he also had Jason Blossom killed. And before he can, before she can finish telling him the whole story, he leans over and gives her a hug um, because he can tell that she's vulnerable and needs some comfort. And just then Betty and Jughead walk in. And they're like, whoa, is everything okay? Because they haven't known these two to be, like, lovey. Mm. Like, they're friends. They did seven minutes in heaven in the pilot, but since then, they've been completely platonic. Um, there have been some, like, light flirting, but none that they would know about. Um, Veronica says that everything's fine. I'm just not in a party mood. And Jughead's like, yeah, me neither. Why well, I gotta be a it's dick? dick move. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody's like, are you are you seriously upset that I threw you a birthday party? Like, you've got to be fucking kidding me with your emo bullshit. And he's like, I appreciate the party and the effort that you put into my birthday, but I'd really just prefer it to be the four of us all together hanging out at Pops. And she's like, we always do that. You want to do something special for your birthday? Um... And she, she questions him, like, so why why does everything have to be gloom and doom with you or whatever? And he says, she's like, why can't you just be normal for once? And that, I think that's where he was like, oh, okay, well, fuck you too. And now he's going to split off and go hang out in the garage. They're, they start to fight until the doorbell rings. And then cut to commercial break, I think. And when they come back... They open the door, and Cheryl, um, Cheryl's there with Chuck, and we get this really stupid line of, do you really think you could throw a party without moi? Or me? Yeah. Ooh, hard Chuck face. Pretty corny. <laughs> it was way corny. So stupid. <laughs> it was almost the corniest moment of the show. <laughs> what was... What I, was... I, I don't know, but I feel certain there were... <laughs> that was close. At, at least some that were close. <laughs> so... Anyway, they didn't know that that they were going to have this party. Jughead asks Betty how many more people she invited, and she's like, no one. This was supposed to be inner circle only. And um, everybody's standing there, include, like the whole school is there, presumably, because there's just like hundreds of kids at this front door. Right. And, Moose, and where did the toilet paper in the trees come from? I don't know. Is that... Uh... We always did that to people we didn't like. Right. Not a party we were attending. You don't do that at a party. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the nerds who write this show have just like never been to a party. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> You're right. It was really dumb. Um, but then Moose is standing there with a keg on his shoulder because he's Moose. And apparently he can just lift a keg and carry it on his shoulder. No problem. Um, and he's like, Andrews. Where you want the kegs? 
and Archie's like, fuck it. One in the kitchen, one in the backyard. Let's do this. I said it was going to be epic, and it's it's going to be... <laughs> It's going to be epic. Jughead's super pissed off now and just walks away. Um, later, he's in the garage alone with Vegas the dog, who is fan favorite. He's okay. like the best dog. He looked like he was having a good time. Yeah, he's the best guy on the show. <laughs> <laughs> he's looking around like, why are they filming me? What's happening here? Can I get some more of those treats yeah. to sit here right. with this weird-ass kid? Um, so... Archie walks in the garage and he tells him that Val just arrived and she's like, do you think she'll take me back? And Jughead's like, I don't care about your bullshit. Like I'm going through some like real stuff here right now, man. And he's like, you know, we were supposed to be blood brothers and it was your sole responsibility to ensure that nothing like this ever happened on my birthday. A, you should never put all of your faith in Archie. Like, <laughs> He's not the smartest kid in the world. And, like, just get over yourself already. But Archie says, look, it was Betty's idea, and I just went along with it. And Jughead tries to be like, it isn't me. But he's like, look, it doesn't matter what you think or what you want. You're Betty's boyfriend now. So whatever she wants to do, you're just going to have to go along with it. And, you know, you're going to have to have a birthday party whether you want one or not. Which isn't totally fair to Betty, but not entirely wrong. Because they made it pretty clear that Jughead didn't want a birthday party. And she went along with it. Um, But she was doing it, like, out of the kindness of her heart. She had good intentions. (laughs) So then his dad shows up with a gift that we never see what that gift is. I, it's a big one, too. Yeah. I bet it was something good. I have forever been curious what yeah. FP gave him. A new beanie or something. <laughs> there is actually only one beanie, like, for the entire costume department. They only have one beanie, so if anything... What if something happens to Yeah. It, it, it would be a is disaster. There a, is there a reason for that? No. Not that they've ever said. That's just always, like... A piece of trivia that they like throw out at every interview. Oh, well, that's weird. Like, and they they constantly talk about how bad it smells. Not bad. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you can't wash it. Because what if it gets torn up in the in the laundry, and then your show's over, I guess. Right. And then you right. just get canceled. I mean, you just never. Yeah. We're just done here, I guess. Crystal should make him one. She made me one. She could make one. Yeah. Jughead's super surprised that his dad is there, and Effie's like, happy birthday, boy. Effie says that he's happy to be here, but I'm surprised that you have so many friends, Jughead, because you're kind of a dork. And Jughead's like, I don't. Fair warning, you're the only adult at this party. Jughead's like, did Betty invite you? He's like, yeah, man, she gets what she wants, that one. And that just pisses Jughead off even more, so... Cut to back at the party. Kevin and Joaquin are making out hard. And then Kevin um, asks Joaquin if he's ever been to Sweetwater River. And apparently that's code for like, do you ever mess around at the river? He says, well, I don't know. Have you? And Kevin's like, meh, once or twice. Because the last time he was there, he was making out with Moose, the guy with Keg. Keg Moose? Yeah. And, well, they were there to like start off with skinny dipping and then move on to other things. Okay. And they uh, tripped over Jason Blossom's dead body in the river. Oh. Yeah. It's kind of a real boner killer whenever you trip over a corpse of your old friend. Right. Yeah. Kind of a bummer. So was was that his and Moose's coming out to the school that... 
well, everyone knows that Kevin is gay. Kevin is out and presumably has been out forever. Okay. I don't know. It's just a thing. Moose is still in the closet. He has a girlfriend. But it wasn't like, Moose, what were you doing at Sweetwater yeah. River? Yeah, they kind of ask that, and I don't remember how they resolve it. Um, but it, it's a weird thing where, like, Moose tries to get Kevin to, like, help him come out. And Kevin's like, I think you should stick with girls. It's like, it's really bad advice. It's really dumb. Like, I assume he's like the offensive lineman for yeah, the football team. He's, he's the jock. But he actually gets hurt the most. I don't know. In, in the comics, he was just the dumb jock. Like, mm-hmm. he was on the football team and he was just... He's he, the Billy Bob, if you will. Yes. He is the Billy Bob. And, um, like, his character's whole thing is he gets super pissed off and jealous if somebody hits on his girlfriend. And... They didn't, that never happens he's on the show. Kevin. Yeah. Well, not, not in the comics. He's not. Oh. Anyway, Kevin and Joaquin, they're making out. And um, the moment's interrupted by FP when he spots Joaquin because Joaquin's like his right-hand man. So he's like, Mm-mm-mm. you could cut the sexual tension in here with a knife. And that's weird. <laughs> it's a weird thing for the only adult at a party to say to mm. two minors. Well, and it's it's weird that you would need to state that since you walked in on them making out. It's not like they were just giving each other eyes from across the room. <laughs> right. <laughs> so is it known that Joaquin is a biker dude? I mean, yeah. does Kevin know that? Yes. And, um, okay. So the first... So this tangled web isn't like a secret that's going on. It's not a secret that Kevin is the sheriff's son, and it's not a secret that Kevin is in the Southside Serpents. Hmm. And it's not a secret that FP is the leader of the Southside Serpents, but Kevin Nor Does the sheriff know that his son's banging the number two dude in the backer game? I, well, okay, so that's the thing. I don't think anybody knows that Joaquin is number two dude. Oh, well, that's what I was asking you. Okay, so, ahead. well, like, they all know that, like, where they stand in the community as far as, like, who's in a gang and, like, I mean... Like the when when Kevin and Joaquin meet, like he shows him his serpent tattoo and oh yeah he's marked yeah okay. you you have to get a serpent tattoo uh, when you when you get jumped in or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Why girls? <laughs> it says like the widest person I've ever met. <laughs> so FP steals steals Joaquin and takes him upstairs because. Oh, that's not problematic or anything, but Veronica stops Kevin. She's like, uh, what the hell is that Southside Serpent doing here? And by that, she means FP because she's seen him do business with her mom. Kevin's like, oh, you don't know? That's Jughead's dad. And she's like, oh, the plot thickens. And then they like disperse into the party. Betty is cleaning up the kitchen and she crosses crosses paths once more with Chuck. And he's like... He asks if she's going to roofie him again because she did that. She says that she's not. She she is going to ask him to leave nicely. And he's like, oh, are you back to being the nice girl? He's like, you know, what you did, what you and Veronica did to me, getting me kicked off the football team, it ruined any chances of playing for Notre Dame or any other good school. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry that you being a disgusting sex monster in us pointing it out to everybody got stopped you from getting into a good school like maybe you don't sexually harass people i don't know (laughs) and and all of this happened long before the me too movement so kudos to them for for like being proactive about maybe maybe they are the me 
to the and then the, the Me, Me Too, Too movement started when they say you think Riverdale was the catalyst yes, they started, they started. For, for all the Harvey Weinstein hashtag Riverdale hashtag <laughs> Me Too hashtag Me okay <laughs> lo and behold Ethel Muggs is, is the one who originated the Me Too movement that's that's great you didn't know that did you I did not know that learned learned something. <laughs> I don't know that Barb started that. Chuck goes on to like taunt her and he's like, you know, I think about how you look that night, that dark side of you. And I think about it every night when I'm alone. And then she smacks the shit out of him and it was awesome. Okay. So Joaquin and FP are hanging out in someone's bedroom. It's got to be Archie's because Alice can see into it. Um, FP tells Joaquin that you know, you're the last person I would expect to be at this party. And Joaquin's like, I'm just doing my job. You told me to, you know, date the sheriff's kid. So I'm here. I'm keeping my ear to the ground. And FP's like, yeah, and your tongue down the sheriff's kid's mouth. But again, that is his job. That's what he's supposed to do is to like sexually manipulate Kevin so he can keep getting information and feed it back to FP. So FP can go fuck himself right here. Yeah, he's a hard worker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Oh, oh. (laughs) I was going to say that's what she said, but that's what he said. Anyway, he asked Joaquin what, um, what his boyfriend thinks of the situation. And he says it's, it's, you know, what Kevin's dad should know, not what Kevin knows. And he tells FP that he'll find out he's going to try and, um, he better find, FP says he better find out soon. And he's saying that like these kids have been way more on the ball than the sheriff because on every TV show, everybody's the, the mystery machine, the Scooby gang, and they're right. way better at everything than the cops. The cops in this town truly are the worst. So they leave the room together. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, Alice Cooper has been... Alice Cooper? <laughs> yes. That, that is where the Alice Cooper, like, schools out got his name. It was from, from Betty's mom oh, in the right. comments. okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was really hard for me to, like, not laugh at her name for a long time. And, and now I laugh when I think about rock and roll Alice Cooper. Because <laughs> I'm like, that nerd has the same name yeah. as Betty's mom. Um, but, yes, Alice Cooper has been... Um, spying on them. She's been looking through Betty's window into Archie's window with binoculars. She's she's a real nosy Nellie and kind of a terrible person too. Then we go to Betty and Jughead in the garage and poor Vegas. He had to witness this whole thing. I feel really bad for that dog because he had to sit through the whole weirdo monologue where they start to fight and he's like, I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. Haven't you ever seen me without this stupid hat? That's weird. I'm not normal. Like, okay, we get it. Just calm down. <laughs> because he doesn't want to do the same things that all the other kids want to do. And it's so lame. I think we've all known this kid, the, the like the hipster. And it's like... But they didn't really tell you about it the way that guy does. No. The way Joe does. No, nobody He's just... <laughs> he is. He's a weirdo. <laughs> Oh. I don't know if weird's the right word. He's kind of a little scarred with his life. And well, yeah, I mean, he has. So he wears a hat. <laughs> he has every reason to be tortured because he had a, a bad childhood. That's fine. I'm not saying that he shouldn't, you know, reflect that just the same as like Archie reflects that 
he's been sheltered and hasn't had to deal with any real conflict in his life by being an idiot and or Betty cutting her hands because she has to deal with her mom controlling every second of her life but it's super obnoxious mm-hmm. how Jughead deals with his and that that is his whole mo that that's Jughead has no chill and it only ramps up from here on out like mm. he is only going to be a drama queen more and more <laughs> as it goes on that's what the crown is for because he's a drama oh, queen. Oh, he's a queen. Okay. Yeah. They continue to fight, and um, he points out to her that they, they're complete opposites. She's a straight-A student and a cheerleader and the perfect girl next door. And she's like, I hate that word. Don't call me perfect, because that's going to make her snap. And he can, continues on. He just keeps badgering her and saying that he's the damaged loner outsider from the wrong side of the tracks. And at this point, it's like... Man, you're that because you want to be that now. Like, these kids have given you every opportunity to be one of them and feel welcomed and be part of their family. And you you now just want to be that so that you have something to bitch about. Right. Yeah. And he says, just realize, Betty, we're on borrowed time. And she's like, what the fuck does that mean? You're the one who kissed me. Like, he came on to her and made this whole like relationship thing happen and now he's telling her that they're on borrowed time and she's like he's like eventually you're gonna get sick of me or you're gonna wait until Archie changes his mind and and you're gonna stop slumming it with me and get with him once he realizes that you're alive and it's so is this the first time they've had this type of conversation Mm -hmm. yeah this is their first fight Ah. yeah cut to drunk Archie trying to make up with his ex-girlfriend and she's like I'm just looking for Melody, leave me alone. And he tries to stop her because he's terrible (laughs) in this like stretch of episodes. And he's like, what if we made a mistake by breaking up? And she's like, no, 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 no. I broke up with you because you were a hot mess. And he is a hot mess right now because he's drunk. And they, she tries to walk away again and he grabs her arm and before he can say anything else, she throws a cup of beer in his face. And it's it's pretty awesome. He deserved it. Like, just let her go. Leave her alone. She she doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. You had your chance. You blew it. It's high school. Fuck off. Like, you're the golden boy in this school. Find another girl to date. Right. I mean, Archie's like... The whole thing about Archie is that he has Betty and Veronica fighting over him. Like, that's his character. He's just, like, the dumb guy in the middle of this love triangle. He could find any other girl he wants. Cheryl's tried to kiss him before. Like Who's Cheryl? The redhead mean girl. Oh, the HBIC. Yeah, well, he don't need to kiss her anyways. Well, she's, she's my... a horrible person. She is a horrible person, but she's my favorite. Why? <laughs> because she, she's so mean. <laughs> she's crazy. And she makes the show interesting. It wouldn't be interesting without her, like, making it bonkers. Mm. Um, And we're pretty sure she was in love with her twin brother. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Her her twin brother was Jason Blossom, the guy who was married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, They kind of referenced that. Yeah, they referenced the twin cest, but um, that's not, like, a real thing. That's not canon in the show, but they had some serious chemistry in the pilot, like talk about sexual tension you could cut with a knife (laughs) (laughs) it was nuts um so archie goes upstairs to his room um and he there's like this weird thing where he's um 
apparently they had like built like a turnstile in his bedroom floor so they could shoot this but it just spins around because he's drunk and dizzy and he's confused because there's a girl who doesn't like him Mm -hmm. and then he drunk tiles his dad (laughs) bro you're throwing a rager at your house don't call your parents yeah but they didn't make anything of it you know i mean there was nothing they didn't show the conversation he said he did it but it never came out yeah it it never said i guess did did he say something that made them get back together maybe you find out in the next episode or something nope so it was a uh what's 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 the word a uh a macguffin yeah something they put in the show yeah yeah and you don't know if he hung up as soon as his dad picked up or if his dad overheard the party or what and again some people get like real like touchy because they think when people criticize archie that they're criticizing kj the actor does a great job of playing a stupid teenager he is very good at that archie as a character is written to be very dumb (laughs) like that might not be the writer's intentions but that is what happens he makes dumb choices he has a heart of gold and everything, but he's stupid. And that is in no way a, a put down of KJ Appa. He's doing, considering he is like a kid from the other side of the world, he's doing a great job playing All-American mm-hmm. Archie Andrews. So. It, 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 yeah, he, he did do pretty good. What what's, uh, what's the story with that hair color? So he, he has jet black hair and they have to dye it red every two weeks because Archie is a redhead. Like... Is that the only red they could find? Or? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is actually leaps and bounds better than it was in the pilot. Oh, right. Yeah. It, it was like Ronald McDonald in the pilot. <laughs> it was real bad. But yeah, they have, because he's, he's half Samoan, they have to bleach and tint his hair red every two weeks. And then whenever they're on hiatus, he kind of grows it out. But oh, yeah. um, his, he's going to be bald before he's 25. He's going to burn it all out. Yeah. After Archie drunk dials his dad, downstairs at the party, Jughead starts to leave. Ethel's like, hey, happy birthday. Do you want a piece of cake? It's bad luck if you don't have any. And he's like, read the room, Ethel. <laughs> like, I'm trying to be broody and pissed off. And he's like, no, I'll see you. I'll see you at school. This whole night's been bad luck. And FB's like... He hears him say this to Ethel, and he's like, what? Can't be, like, just rude to this poor girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jughead's like, I'm ghosting. I'll see you tomorrow. But Chuck sees him head for the door, and him and Cheryl stop him before he gets an opportunity to leave. Chuck's like, where are you going, guest of honor? And he's like, just get out of the way, Chuck. Cheryl's like, you can't leave now. We haven't played our game yet. So everybody's like, what game? Because this can't this isn't going to end well. Cheryl's notorious for throwing bad party games that are going to leave people pissed off. Um, Not Cheryl. So anyway, they play Secrets and Sins, which, of course, everybody's like, what's that? So we can get some some exposition. But it's basically truth or dare, but ultimately, we're just going to one by one and out all of our friends and classmates on their bullshit to each other. Like... It is a bad game. And that was a weird thing. Like, they weren't even trying to get, like, secrets that high school kids were want. They were trying to get, like, murder confessions. (laughs) (laughs) Not like, I heard Ginger dated Billy behind Susie's back. No. I'm in jail because I went through with this game at the party. (laughs) Right. But found out. (laughs) Cheryl's like, okay, I'm going to start 
the game off by directing a question to Veronica. Veronica's like, of fucking course you are, because you're the worst and you hate me for showing up late to practice and showing you up because I have the better dance moves or whatever. She served. Um, the day you and your mob wife of a mom moved into town looking for a fresh start, why did you defile Archie Andrews in a closet? She's like, you did that. That was all you. Moving on. What's the deal with, with your father who's in prison buying the illegally buying the drive-in land, which Jughead didn't know, and so now he's pissed off because he had to move out of the drive-in because it was getting bulldozed. Veronica says that she can't speak on her father's behalf, but one thing that she can do is accuse Cheryl of twincest. And everyone's like, um, this just got real weird. <laughs> this this took a turn too far. So Cheryl locks the door as if they can't just like go unlock it. You're inside. Locks don't matter when you're inside. So as Jughead thought things couldn't get any worse, it just keeps piling on. This poor kid who hates his birthday. Dilton Doily, who's like the school nerd, offers to go next. He's the leader of like (laughs) the Boy Scouts troop and the DJ for this kick-ass party. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, So he reveals that because he was at Sweetwater River the day that... um, Jason Blossom went missing on 4th of July. And he was showing them, like, how to shoot guns um, to protect themselves. He's apparently a Second Amendment nut, so I don't think he was marching yesterday (laughs) by any means. (laughs) 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 But anyway, he reveals that he saw Miss Grundy's car by Sweetwater River. And Miss Grundy was the music teacher who, um, she was just a pedophile who got Archie to sleep with her and stuff. And it was a really bad storyline. Um... What happened to her? The parents found out about her relationship with Archie, and it was either Alice could expose her in the newspaper and tell everybody that there's a pedophile among, amongst them, or she could pack up her shit and get out. So she oh. packed up and left. And then as she's, like, leaving town, you're supposed to, like, feel sorry for her. She makes, like, googly eyes at some more teenage boys, and you're like, mm. oh, fuck you. Right. <laughs> She'll be back. Dilton tells him that he saw Miss Grundy's car, and, and also Archie was there. And so Cheryl's like, oh, shit, Archie and Miss Grundy were having sex. And she put all that together from Dilton's, like, monologue. And mm-hmm. Chuck says, well, damn, Andrews banging a teacher if i knew that i would have put you in the playbook and that pisses everybody off <laughs> well he, he really should have learned his lesson but he right, hasn't no so do you think that uh do you think maybe he accidentally shot jason oh that was a big a big theory oh okay um but i don't think that because jason we we learn in episode two or three I think in the second one that Jason, um, he went missing on the 4th of July, but he wasn't actually shot until July 11th. So the day that Dilton fired the gun was a week before the day Jason was actually shot, okay. according to the autopsy. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so I he's thought clear. I was really making a prediction there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Didn't know it had already been covered. <laughs> yeah. Chuck then joins in and he starts giving the deets about the whole hot tub scene. So he's like, he his secret star is Betty and Archie stands up and he's like, leave her the hell out of it. And he's like, shut up. <laughs> oh no, right. we're going to do this. <laughs> you don't know the real Betty. And Betty doesn't even know the real Betty. 
but I know, Betty, like, we all know the reason why I got suspended is because I'm a monster, but it was because Betty dressed up as a hooker wearing a god-awful black wig, drugged me, handcuffed me to a jacuzzi, and then tried to drown me until she got me to say what she wanted to hear. So he's saying that basically... Coerced. Coerced. Thank you for the word. I, <laughs> I was like, the thing that they did to the nephew and making a murderer... That's what he's saying. But he really did do that shit. Like, they have proof of the playbook. So it wasn't total coercion. But she did not go about it the right way. No. She, she waterboarded his ass. She flipped her fucking wig. Um, her actual wig. Because she was wearing a black wig. Ha ha. Ha ha. And he turns to Jughead saying, Did you know all about this, Jughead? And he gets up and throws the worst fake punch in television history. Like... This is something that I'd expect to see when you're watching Bonanza. But no, they do some good punching on Bonanza. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Cole Sprouse gets up. Well, the, the second one wasn't as fake. Oh, the, when <laughs> Chuck punched Jughead back? Yeah. Yeah, no. Chuck is a better fake puncher. Yeah, apparently, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Cole Sprouse, who has been acting since he was born. He's the kid in Big Daddy. He was Ross's kid on Friends. Then he, like... Him and his twin brother had their own show on Jughead is that same kid? Yeah. I didn't, I, yeah, I wouldn't even, I couldn't see that. Yeah. It's a weird place to be in when he's, like, attractive. Because <clears throat> it's like, oh, hey, Jughead. Ew, ew, you're the kid from Big Daddy. Uh, he wipes his own ass. <laughs> I yeah. wipe my own ass. <laughs> Kangaloo song. Yeah, it, that's when I'm like, oh, I'm too old for this shit. Because I can, cannot relate to the Sprouse twins being, like, sexual creatures. So, anyway, they get in a big brawl. FP breaks up the fight, and he tells everyone to go home, and Jughead starts to leave at the crowd, but he grabs him, and he's like, get the fuck back in there and talk to your girl. These kids have given you everything that your mom and I couldn't give you. You need to stick with it, man up, and go talk to your girlfriend. Alice comes out, and she starts to bust FP's balls, and we learn that apparently they have a backstory. This is the first time we've ever seen them interact. Mm. She starts to give him shit for being on the wrong side of town, and he's like, you know what? You try to dress like you're not from the south side or act like you're from the south side, but snakes don't shed their skin so easily. And Okay, like, yeah, they kind of do. That's kind of snake's whole thing. That's what snakes do. They yeah, but it's not like they turn into a different snake. It's the same <laughs> but, shit. But, <laughs> like, the, the serpents make all these snake illusions all the time. That's like, yeah, but that's not right. They've got to use a snake. It, yeah, they, they use it a ton. <laughs> like, in season two, there's a lot about serpents never shed their skins. Okay, but they do. <laughs> that's, that's actually what they do. But anyway... So we learned that Alice is actually from the South Side. So she tries yeah, to. Apparently, she was a damn biker gang chick. Yeah. Serpent. Apparently, she was a South Side serpent. And this whole time, she's tried to act all holier than thou. And turns out, she's from the wrong side of the track. Right. So that's that's super interesting. So later at Pops, Jughead has his beanie off. So he's being real vulnerable. Like, you know, when he takes his hat off, that like he's ready to get emotional with oh. you. Um, and him and Betty are sitting on the same side of the booth, which you got to do it for TV, I guess. Camera angle. Yeah. So they make up, they have after their big fight. And after all this time, I thought you were a lover and not a fighter. And he's like, I'm both. I've got layers. He didn't look like much of a fighter in that <laughs> <closet>. No. 
Honey, you're not a fighter. He got, he got smoked across the room is what he got. <laughs> the correct answer is, you're right. I'm not a fighter. He, he admits that she was doing nice something nice for him. And whenever somebody tries to do something nice for me, I end up short-circuiting. Maybe it's just because I'm not used to it or because I'm scared of getting hurt or being rejected for being myself. Betty admits that she should have told him about Chuck. Instead of telling him the truth, she threw him a party that he didn't even want to go to. And she also admits that she has something wrong with her, explaining that she has a darkness inside of her that overwhelms her sometimes. And she doesn't know where it comes from, but it might be the reason why she does these crazy things. And then she opens up her hands that apparently he's never seen before and shows her like the crescent moon shaped scars on her hands from where she digs her fingernails in. That's supposed to be this big vulnerability moment where she opens up to him when, again, they've been dating for like five episodes. Like, surely he's seen her hands. So I think I missed it in that scene. I I wasn't really paying attention, I guess. Did they discuss it? Well, she just kind of opened up her hands and you could see the pattern of fingernails. So he knew what that was? Yeah. I think he... Well, I mean, like, I don't know what else it would be, but... If I was like, what in the hell is that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I guess he didn't ask because the audience knows. Oh. You know, it's TV, so whatever. But anyway, he takes her palms in his and assures her that everything's going to be okay. And then he, like, he kisses her hand and it's all very sweet and, like, super cute. Back at Archie's house... Archie and Veronica are sitting next to each other on the couch, and, and then he tells her that he drunk dialed his dad, and she's like, "Ooh, what did you say?" And I guess so. I guess they do kind of explain a little bit, but he he says that he told his dad not to sign the divorce papers, and he didn't know why he did what he did. He didn't care if they were together or not. Um, but he doesn't know why he keeps doing things like this. Like, he keeps wrecking things. Um, Poor guy. Yeah. Veronica says that their lives are very similar, which they are so not similar. Um, but she feels every day that she learns a new secret or a new lie about her parents. She hopes that her mom is a good person. And Archie asks her if she's ever wondered, like, what things would be like if she did them differently, if she made different choices, because he wonders, he thinks that he messed up and what would happen if he had moved to Chicago with his mom instead of staying in Riverdale with his dad. But anyway, Veronica's like, none of that matters because if you didn't stay here, we wouldn't have met and that would have truly been a tragic mistake or some shit because now they're going to bone. So they, they do some like real hot and heavy kissing. And the next morning, Veronica wakes up in his bed and Archie's laying on Jughead's bedroll on the floor. So we don't know if they did or they didn't, but just going to make some wild presumptions here. Like they're both hot teenagers. They probably definitely fucked. What was he doing on the floor? Apparently leading us to believe that maybe they did not have sex. Oh. That he's a gentleman and gave her the bed. Maybe she was snoring or something. <laughs> Well, you can still hear if you're on the floor. Not in his ear. I mean, I can hear you if I come out to the couch, so. (laughs) Snore. I don't hear myself. You wake yourself up a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lie. Um, But the next morning, she wakes up and she comes downstairs and Jughead sees her as he's like drinking coffee and tip-tappity typing on his computer. And they kind of exchange a glance 
And she's like, so look, and he's like, don't worry about it. She goes home to, to the Pembroke and she asks Smithers, who's the doorman and like their butler kind of, kind of like yeah. their all around they everything. this character that does, he'll probably drive their limo later. Yes, he, he does drive them. Oh, <laughs> she's like, you've known my parents for a really long time. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, she asks um, if he thinks her dad is a good person. And he's like, I'd rather not say because he's in prison for fucking over a lot of people. Right. She says, well, what do you think about my mom? Is my mom a good person? And he says, undoubtedly, she is absolutely purely good without a doubt in his mind. And so that... That leads her to her decision to go back to Mr. Sourberry's law office and um, testify on her dad's behalf. She's going to make a statement so that her mom doesn't get pulled under by her dad. Yeah. And and when she shows up, she um, thanks her mom for letting her sleep over at Betty's because she was not sleeping over at Betty's. She was sleeping over next door with Archie. Um, then we see Archie cleaning up the house as Jughead's just like eating his birthday cake and watching. Um, which, you know, I would do too. If somebody threw a party for me that I didn't want, I'd be like, I'm not helping you clean up. <laughs> this was your doing. And when all the people showed up, you told them to come on in. So, you know, I'm going to sit here and eat my cheeseburger shaped birthday cake and watch you. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, they kind of, um, make up and Archie admits to doing something with Veronica the night before. But then we we go back to the school newspaper office, the blue and gold office, which Veronica brings Betty um, some scones, I believe. And she's like, oh, the last time you brought me baked goods, this is because you kissed Archie. And she's like, <laughs> seems like she might have done a little bit more with Archie last night. And she's afraid that's going to piss Betty off because Betty's always had this thing for Archie. Um, but anyway, she um, she tells Betty that she's agreed to testify on her father's behalf and she hopes that um, doing this will help her mom but she also fears that testifying on his behalf um, might help change things and help him become a free man once more and Betty's like that's good news and she's like yeah no I don't think so because um, he had business with Jughead's dad and I think he might have been the one to put a hit out on Jason Blossom. It, but she wants to help Betty with her investigation because this whole time, Betty and Jughead are leading up the investigation for who killed <laughs> Jason Blossom. These two kids who work for the school newspaper. They'll figure it out. Yeah. They're going to scooby-doo the shit out of it. Is what they're going to do. <laughs> so then we get another Jug Dub and he's saying, whether you believe in order or chaos, in the end, it's the same. We're either in control of our lives or... We are not as in control of our lives. Merely, We just merely think we are. Um, the episode closes. Veronica is handed a package by Smithers. And in the package is a brand new pearl necklace. Because in the last episode, when she found out that Ethel's dad almost killed himself because of what her dad did, she grabbed her strand of pearls and tore them all over the girl's bathroom floor. And it was How did her dad send her a pearl necklace from jail? Who knows? How do you write her a letter? I don't fucking know. Nothing makes sense in this town. Um, we get back to the Andrews house. Archie's finally finished cleaning up. He just goes to sit down on the couch next to Vegas 
when Fred comes back home and he opens the door and holy shit, Molly Ringwald is Archie's mom. And everybody who's from my generation screamed mm-hmm. <laughs> because we know who she is. <laughs> yeah, and they did that knowing that the, yeah. they had a huge following of 30-year-olds watching their show. <laughs> they absolutely did. <laughs> We've got to play to our audience here. Yeah. <laughs> We might be saying we're a teen show, but I think we all know that our target demo is like yeah. Lonely Housewives. <laughs> we get Riverdale. So that's the end of our episode. So in the podcast, um, after we recap, we have a few segments that we go over. And we always lead off with the most Archie Comics moment. And it's probably not the best segment because I haven't picked up a comic book since I was like eight. And I don't remember a ton. But usually you can see, like, nods to the characters and who they were. So for this week, I'm going with Jughead's birthday cake being in the shape of a cheeseburger. Um, And then we do the best blossom burn because it's not always just Cheryl. Her parents are also evil. And to, to the point where you really feel for Cheryl in her upbringing, like, she, her house is bad news bears it's real bad i think the best blossom burn for this episode is after the dance off when um they take a vote on who had the best dance and the two girls who are supposed to be her minions don't vote at all so she puts them on blast and her quote is you catatonic you catatonic bimbos didn't even vote so you stuttering sap heads are too dim to exercise your own rights and you've got the combined vocabulary of a baked potato that is one of Cheryl's better burns. <laughs> like the the combined vocabulary of a baked potato. Yes. And, and you know what? I'm not so sure we ever see those girls again. <laughs> she fires them like from she being She fired her, them from real. Like yeah, from being like, her friends. You're not even on the show anymore. <laughs> Get the fuck out. Later days, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we could do good, bad, funnies. So my good for this week, I actually have two. The first one is super nerdy. It's that this episode were introduced to Molly Ringwald and there are 16 candles. Like, they could have waited until the next episode to bring her in, but I don't know. <laughs> I just really liked it. It was super, super dorky. And yeah. I'm glad you noticed it, too. And you, you know they discussed it in the writing right. room. Though. Right. But I'm glad It wasn't that, just a coincidence. Yeah, I'm glad that you saw it because I felt real stupid for, <laughs> <laughs> for noticing it. And because I'm a huge sap, and as much as I make fun of, like, the shippers and that whole part of, like, the fandom brings us all down. There was, like, some shit at the Paley Fest this this week. But today, uh, apparently, a girl got up there and her question was about Cole Sprouse and Lily Reinhardt's relationship. Because there's this whole section of people that are Bughead fans and Bughead shippers. And that's all they do is obsess about those two. And they're obsessed with the people in real life and the characters, and it's real gross. And, like, they are real people. Like, they haven't come out and said that they're dating in real life because they don't want you in their fucking business. Right. Leave them alone. Anyway, like, I, I don't know what the question was, but Twitter was all a buzz about it. About, like, we don't claim her as part of this fandom. The, the scene with Betty and Jughead at Pops, where she comes clean about how, like, she cuts herself and then... Um, he like kisses her scars and he sees that she has demons too and I don't know like it's sweet and I also like that Alice gets to be the faculty advisor um, because it brings her more into the show but um, my bad for this week is 
when Betty calls FP to invite him to the movies with her and Jughead, it just makes her really look really stupid and insensitive. And I, I don't know, that that was like one of the more cringeworthy scenes for me. Right, it's like, right, bad, yeah. bad TV. It makes your main character look real shitty. Um, funny, my funny is just everything that comes out of Kevin's mouth. Hmm. <laughs> now that we live here, I really don't have any sassy gay friends, and Kevin is like my sassy gay friend. <laughs> but when he was like in the cafeteria, and he's like, oh my god, don't turn around. And then, holy Chuck, I think his lats got bigger. Not that I care because he's evil incarnate. Just saying. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but he definitely noticed. And at um, when they were doing Secrets and Sins, and he says, this is riveting. I can't breathe. He always says something like that when the drama gets really high and it's always great. Like there is this whole thing where at the memorial service for Cheryl's brother and like she comes walking in and they like have this cover of the um, shout, shout, let it all out. That song, but it's like dark, like a dirge. Mm -hmm. And she's wearing the same outfit that she was wearing um, in the pilot when Jason went missing it, it she's like an all white and oh. it, it's a funeral and it's it's real bonkers but he's like this is insane <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome um so like Kevin Kevin often finds himself in the funny section of this podcast but he deserves it for changes so this is this is a segment where um usually just me but if i have a guest we'll say what changes we would have made had we been in the writer's room um we would have risen you know rose our hand and said that sucks we're not doing that let's change that if i was in the writer's room i would have changed chucks or me after cheryl gave her like did you really think you could throw a party without moi um because it and it really that's just the top of this list like the whole episode had some really right, bad writing right. like really bad writing but that, I think that's the scene that takes you the most out of it where you're supposed to be like ooh but ultimately you're, you're like oh my god all the jerk off mm-hmm. motions like mm-hmm. this is fucking stupid okay so for theories based on this one episode of this show do you have any theories as to who you think might have killed Jason Blossom. Well, I already got my theory blown out. I thought they were going to say that, <laughs> that Dilton, that Dilton shot him. Yeah. But no, I don't know. Well, I mean, I, that that is a solid theory. I don't if you really don't. understand exactly who Jason was enough to know. Nobody if does. If the mob killed him or the backers killed him or the... That is, the like, the biggest problem with this show. Jughead killed him? Did Jughead kill him? I'm not going to say. Apparently Jughead killed him. <laughs> I'm not saying who killed him. You do find out in this season, which is a thing that I like. They don't drag it on forever like they did Pretty Little Liars, and you have to wait season upon season to find out who A is, and that was stupid. But I'm not going to say who it is. I will say that up to this point, we have learned that the day Dilton fired his gun was a different day than when Jason got shot. Right. Not to say that he couldn't have fired a gun another day. Right, so, okay. So Dilton did it. <laughs> then we move on to Sabrina News, so... um Sabrina, the teenage witch, was uh, part of the comic series for Archie Comics, and you know we all watched and loved the Melissa Joan Hart show in our youth. But they're making there's going to be a reboot on Netflix, and this time it's based on the part of the Sabrina comics that's the chilling tales of Sabrina, the teenage witch. So it's supposed to be like real dark, real spooky, set in the '60s during like race riots and stuff, and 
it's gonna be um, really dark but it's in pre-production right now so we try to each week we try to go over like what news we've learned this week from the internet basically and if if you listeners aren't caught up to season two and so you haven't listened to chapter 29 primary colors to that recap that we just did um this is the sabrina news that we dropped last night basically um so if you are caught up and listen to that then i guess skip ahead or whatever but anyway (laughs) we have a harvey um who is sabrina's boyfriend the main love interest um much to a lot of our chagrin they did not cast a person of color we were really hoping that based on the um what the calling was for when on the casting call that it was could be like a a male 18 or 18 to 25 of any ethnicity and so we were really hoping to get a lead that was a person of color and we didn't um we got a blonde kid but it's fine whatever um it's Ross Lynch, who was on the Disney Channel show Austin and Allie. I'm assuming he was Austin. He doesn't look like an Allie. Um, and then for the complete opposite of the Disney Channel, he also played Jeffrey Dahmer in the movie My Friend Dahmer. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, I really want to see that. <clears throat> but honestly, it's probably a pretty good choice for like, you know, we're doing this whole like wholesome world turned evil Thing. that's what we're doing on these shows so somebody who can be on the disney channel and play a cannibal probably is on the choice casting he's got wise. some range yeah he's got, got enough range to do both sides of that coin um also filming just started on this past monday march 19th so hopefully we'll get some really good production stills coming out on social media um and for Skeet's Dadgram Corner, I forgot to research any further. <laughs> Just put this as a big Skeet episode, and then apparently I'm supposed to go back in later and uh, and pick one. Um, but I've I've got a bunch saved on my phone, so um, I'll I'll pick one and make it the uh, the episode cover for this for this um, this episode, and I'll put a description of it in the episode title and the show notes. Um, so sorry, guys, I was not prepared, but it's like midnight and I'm not going to go back and try to redo this tonight. Um, but anyway, just know that it was probably cute and adorable because that's that's how Skeet is. He's he's a total dad. He makes like some really cute dad jokes and I don't know. Skeet. He's FP. So okay. Skeet Ulrich um, on Instagram. <clears throat> on all the other cast members, anytime they post a a picture on Instagram, he'll have a comment that is something that you're like, oh my God, you were such a dad. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can see you in a pair of jorts right now. Like, I'm just trying to keep from thinking he's a biker dude. <laughs> he always he plays these... He doesn't want to get typecast. He plays these, like, super dark characters in, in, like, almost everything. And I think, like, his lightest, like, big character was when he was the love interest on The Craft. Like, it's like the one time when he wasn't the dark guy, but it was yeah. still a really dark movie. Um, but he's he's actually, like, a really big sweetheart. And everybody, like, comments on how, like, he he's, like, this super well-trained actor. Like, he he's, like, a way better actor than anybody else on the show. And they'll talk about that a bunch, about how, like, they learn from him when they, like, need tips on how to, like, process something. Um and he's just 
really nice. Like he's a really good guy. And he's super corny and dorky uh, with his comments. And it's, it's usually very cute and sometimes heartwarming. Um, but anyway, we'll figure all that out in, in post when I edit this. But I think that's it for today because I can't talk anymore. I'm losing my voice and I need to go to bed because I have to get up very soon for work. Um, but don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I want to thank Cameron for joining us today. You're very welcome. I know you super didn't want to. <laughs> um, but thanks for watching the show with me. Um, I know it's dumb and it's so not not your jam. But, um, it was fun. It was a fight in the biker game. <laughs> there are times Some when it's, it's actually kind of cool. Not a lot. I don't know about all that. <laughs> it's often not very cool. But. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, if any of you guys want to create a dialogue about any of the episodes that have aired for Riverdale, you can reach out to me at Sheree on Twitter, and that's C-H-E-R-I-E-E-B-E-E, or Sheree04 on Instagram. Again, it's C-H-E-R-I-E-E-04. I didn't pick my name. I know it sucks. It's super hard to spell, but get a pen and write it down. Um, or you can always email me at realhousewivesofriverdale at gmail.com. You can we can talk about literally anything. If there is something you heard about the cast, the moment you hear that they got renewed for season three, please let me know because it's driving me nuts. Um, like when I'm sitting quietly in the car, if you ever wonder what I'm thinking about, it's like wondering when they're gonna drop on us. <laughs> the show either got canceled or that we're gonna get a season three because it's mm. it's bugging me to a yeah. point that it shouldn't. Um, but if you anything that you hear in like the Riverdale universe, um, reach out to me. We'll talk about it. I'm always happy to talk about any part of this show. Um, if you think you have a better blossom burn, or if you saw a skeet comment that you thought was really funny, um, or if you saw something that you know was a direct nod from the Archie comics because I haven't read them since I was like eight and I didn't even read like the Archie ones. I read Betty and Veronica and that spinoff of, of the comic series. Let me know and we'll talk about it and I'll drop your name on, on the podcast um, so that four other people will hear you that you're better at this than me. So that's cool. Let's talk about it. Um, I hope you tune in next week when we discuss chapter 11, Homecoming. Have a good week, guys. Bye. Oh